it's good to be back here this afternoon. Join me in standing. I'll be singing. Um, I'll be saying Galatians 6:7. It says, "Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap." Caleb, will you open up? Will you up in a word of prayer? Men drumming singing page 169, come thou found.
Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battle want. For I've been blessed beyond measure, and by his strength alone I overcome. Oh, oh come, oh, I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my hand. But those trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand. In Christ alone I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every Let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. In Christ alone will I glory, for only by his grace am I redeemed, and only beyond my weakness to my need. And now I seek no greater honor but just to know him more and to count my gains but losses to the glory of my Lord. In Christ alone I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. In every Let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. Amen. It's good to be in the Lord's house uh, this afternoon. Uh, many of you have noticed we had visitors with us today, the Olsons, all the way up from Wichita. They're celebrating their anniversary. Uh, Brother Larry was here a couple of months ago and preached for us and uh, passing through. We've got a pastor's fellowship meeting Monday and Tuesday uh, over in Mission, so they thought they'd come up, celebrate their anniversary, and then stick around to go to that. And so I asked Brother Larry if he would preach for us. And his wife's given him a 20-minute time limit, and all the Chiefs fans said amen. Well, the Chiefs don't play till 5.30. <laughs> well, it's always a blessing to, uh, to be here. Um, when I told your pastor that we were coming through, I couldn't think of a better place to be 
in Kansas City than in this church. I told him if we lived close, this would be our church. Because I love you folks. I love your pastor and pastor's wife. And uh, this is a tremendous church. And um, this is Valentine's week. And I'm so in love. Oh, who just groaned? <laughs> okay, this is what I did this morning. I woke up this morning and I looked at my beautiful wife and I said, honey, do you love me? And she said, oh, yeah, you're hot. <laughs> I said, that's really cool. But do you like me? And she said, no, not today. <laughs> you know, <the> <laughs> <laughs> let's... <laughs> Let's go ahead and close our Bibles. We will be dismissed. But you know, sometimes husbands, you need to ask your wife, you know, do you, do you love me? Oh yeah, I love you, but do you like me? And if they're honest, they'll say, no, I don't like you today. But we need to find out why you don't like me. What did I do? You know, it's called communication, right? But you know, the Lord tells us that all the time. Yes, I love you. I love you. But he doesn't always like what we are doing. So we need to stay in contact to be able to realize where we are at and be in love with the way that he speaks to us and lets us know that he does love us because he does show us his love, doesn't he? And it's so exciting. We've been out of, uh, uh, I, I resigned the ministry back in uh, June and uh, we have stayed busy. We've gone from uh, Canada to Colorado to Nebraska and Oklahoma and Kansas and Missouri and, and just all over the place, just being a blessing and uh, telling people how much God really loves them. I've, I have to tell you that there, there is a society today that thinks that they have to do something for somebody to love them. You know, with, with the Lord, you don't have to do a thing. The, the Lord loves us. That's why he sent his only begotten son into this world. And he says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. That's how much he loves us. And I'm so thankful at the age of, of 27, it was uh, 25 years ago, this day, I'm sorry, 45 years ago, this day, my wife and I got saved. This day, this is our spiritual birthday, and as well as her anniversary. But today I want to talk about the love of God. We need to realize that the Lord loves us. And if He loves us, He will provide all things for us. Now, I'm not talking about material things, which he does, and, 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 but I want to talk about spiritual things. I, I want you to know that we need to walk so close to the Lord that if he ever stopped walking, we'd run right into the back of him. Or have you ever crawled up on his lap, got so close to him, had that high mountain experience that you could almost smell his breath? Remember little boy sitting in grandpa's lap. The joy that that was. Just to be able to share that breath that he loved me. And through the word of God, we get to experience his love. If you're looking for it, it's there. I want you to turn to John, the book of John, if you would, please. 
John chapter number 13, we are going to build on this. But I, I want us to realize that Jesus is now getting ready to go to Jerusalem to die. He has already prefaced to his disciples whom he loves. And he tells them time and time again, you need to be prepared because I'm getting ready to leave. But I want you to realize, I want you to realize right now that I love you. I care for you. And I have provided all things for you. Um, my wife and I have four boys. One of them lives in Canada. And uh, they hold hostage our two granddaughters in Canada. So we met in Bloomington, Illinois, uh, a week before Christmas. That's halfway for them to come down from Ontario. It's halfway from Wichita to meet in Bloomington. And we were able to have Christmas together. I mean, it, it was so exciting. Just, just. But I, I pulled my son off to the side. You know, there's, there's nothing like having a relationship with a, an adult son. You can just talk to and love and to encourage. I pulled him off to the side before we left. And I'm not good at long goodbyes. My boys know that. Not good at long goodbyes. But I hugged him. And this guy is bigger than me. He's a big boy. And I looked at him. He's 41 years old. Looked at him right in the eyes. And I said, Eric, I said, I want you to realize that I love you with all my heart. He says, yeah, Dad, I know that. I said, but also I want you to realize, quite possibly, before we ever get to meet again, our phones might not ever work. And we will not be able to communicate back and forth to see how you are doing. And you're not able to communicate with us on how your mom is doing. I said, I want you to realize something. Your mom and I love you. And we pray for you. And if, if we can't communicate any longer, I want you to take care of your little family. And don't worry about us in Wichita. There's no communication we might not even have, have gas or even food, but I want you to realize that your mom and I are going to take good care of each other. But I want you to realize that we love you, son. And I love my daughter-in-law, and I love, love my granddaughters. And, and he got to walk away with, wow, that's pretty cool, Dad. You know, we've, we've never had that conversation. But you need to deal with that with your children. Because one day... One day, you might not ever get to talk to them again. But they need to realize that you love them. Well, see, Jesus is doing pretty much the very same thing. He's getting ready for his disciples to understand that he's leaving. But he's not going to leave them defenseless. He's going to provide all things. In chapter 13, we see that, that he shares the Passover meal. So he is getting the last Passover meal, by the way. And he's getting ready to, to leave them. So he has a number of things that he wants to instruct to them. And I want you to realize, come on down a little bit to uh, verse number 8. No, let, let's start at verse number 5. Let's start at verse number 4. We'll just start in Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> um, verse number 3, chapter 13. Are you with me? Say amen. Okay. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God, and he went to God. This is what he did. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and he girded himself. Well, that seems kind of strange for 
the master to do. The disciples are sitting around. And this is what he did. After that, he poured forth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel therewith. He was girded. Then cometh to he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? You know, this is a sign of great humbleness and love and care that he has for these men. He is washing their feet. Now, Brother Kevin and I are, are good friends. I'm not sure that I would come to that point in humbleness to wash somebody else's feet. But now watch what Jesus says, okay? This is not the actual, he's not really talking about the actual event. There's a humbleness. If I need to, to show my love to you, I would do that. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of doing that. Matter of fact, there's, there, there's nothing, there should be nothing between us that would hold me back from proving my love to you. And so it is with husbands and wives. There should be nothing, nothing, listen, between the husband and wife that they are, that they are ashamed or would not do for one another. Honey, do you love me? Oh, yeah. Do you like me? No, not at all. We'll find out why. What did you do? What did you, it's, it's called communication. Keep that communication open. So Jesus is communicating to his disciples. He says, I'm going to show you my love by what I do. Well, who are you to be able to do this? He says, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. He says, what I am doing, he says, you will be able to understand. You know, isn't it great in life that life doesn't happen all at one time? I mean, we learn from day to day, situations, storms, events in our lives. We learn the love of God in our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. He proves himself on a day-to-day -day basis. We get to prove our love to one another on a day-to-day -day basis. He and I had a really good friend uh, by the name of Jerry Byers, who pastored Overland Park Baptist Temple. And what a loving and caring man. He used to call me all the time, Brother Larry, how are you doing? He, he was very sincere. He wanted to know how I was doing. He was in Overland Park, and I was down in Wichita, or I was out in, uh, out in the mountains of Colorado starting a church. He, he was always concerned. You know, we should go out of our way to make contact with one another. That proves your love for them. And could I tell you that this man, as well as his wife, needs to know, listen, they need to know, they don't need to ask you, do you like me? Well, no, I don't like you today, I heard your sermon, I don't, I don't like what you said, but do you love me? Oh yeah, you need to show your love, you need to prove your love. It's the same way with inside of the church, you need to prove your love and share your love one with another, because you know as well as I do, outside of these four walls, it is dangerous. Satan's out there. And matter of fact, he will eat you and spit you out and laugh at you where the Lord says, hey, come unto me and I'll give you rest. See, we need to renew the mind of not only who we are, but who he is. So as he sits down to wash their feet, um, verse 12, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. He says, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, or so, uh, so I am. 
If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. What he's saying is, is hey, I have loved you. I, listen, I have loved you unconditionally. You know what that means to be loved unconditionally? Hey, he knows. He knows our sins. He knows whether or not we even like him, not alone love him. But he loves us unconditionally. And when we begin to understand that he knows us better than we even know our own selves. Hey, we've been married for 46 years, and my wife really doesn't understand everything about me. God does. You know, when I wake up and I roll out of bed and had to get up off the floor, I, I recognize and realize that today's the day the Lord loves me. I see 828 on my digital watch. You know what that says? It says Romans 828. And we know. No, no, no. And I know that all things work together for good to them who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I see that first thing in the morning. 828, church, think about that. And then in the evening, after dinner's all over, we're sitting down, hey, how was your day? How did things go on? All of a sudden, 828 pops up. You know what that says? Hey, God led me all the way today. Thank you, Lord, that you still love me. What a blessing that that is. But see, he was, he was getting them ready to leave. I want us to realize, verse number 36, Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? And Jesus answered, Whether I go, thou cannot follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? He said, I will lay down my life for thy sake. Now, Peter has good intentions, does he not? He said, I would, I would take a bullet for you, Lord. I would die in your place. He says, that's how much I love you. But then Jesus answered, and he probably said, hey, that sounds pretty good, Simon, but I want you to rec realize what you're saying. He says, will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, that a cock shall not crow um, till thou hast denied me thrice. Peter said, you know what, Lord, I, I really love you. And he says, I would give my life for you, Lord. Jesus warned him, better be careful. Because he said, a, a cock's not going to crow, a rooster's not a, gonna, going to crow until you have denied me three separate times sitting on his mind. He went to Israel probably about 10 years ago. We're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right there in the garden, you can look over the Kidron Valley and look right into the Eastern Gate. There were a number of great big rocks. I told Marcia, I said, you know, maybe Jesus prayed on this rock. I said, I'm going to bow over here. I said, I want you to wait for me. I'm going to bow over here and I'm going to pray. Can I tell you that in the middle of that prayer, a rooster crowed? We didn't hear a rooster before. We didn't hear a rooster afterwards. And I got up off my knees and I said, honey, did you hear that rooster? And she said, yeah, wasn't that strange? I said, good. I said, that rooster was probably for you and not for me. <laughs> You like me today, honey? 
But, but Jesus was warning him that, that the cock is not going to crow until you have denied me. But he told him ahead of time to warn him that this was going to take place. Now, chapter 14. This is where Jesus is really putting everything together. He has the disciples' attention. He is getting ready to explain why he is leaving. And he's giving them something. The very same thing that he's giving to us today. Jesus is telling the disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be troubled. As I told you that I must go to Jerusalem and die, for I will rise again. Don't let your heart be troubled. Maybe some of you have a troubled heart today, maybe financially, maybe physically, maybe spiritually. Jesus is saying, let not your heart be troubled. I'm in control over all things. This is, this is what he was confiding in his disciples. He says, I've got all this put together. He says, this is the way things take place. And you might not see how it's going to end today, but he says, be of good cheer. He says, I've overcome the world. He says, whatever, whatever your storm that you're either going through or have been or will, to recognize and realize, I will be in that storm with you. So he says, let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then he confides in them. Okay, pastor talked about it this morning, about the difference between being here and being home. Okay, go ahead and threaten me with heaven. Yeah. You know, every sermon that I ever put together over a casket, I was just a wee bit jealous. They've arrived, and I haven't yet. Lord, we're preparing a for Dr. Clyde Stone, old preacher. He was another one. And he called me and he said, Brother Olson, he got up into his upper 90s and he finally said one time when he called, he said, you know what, Brother Olson, he said, if I don't hurry up and get to heaven, he said, all of my friends are going to think that I didn't make it. The older you get, the more of a tension that your mind goes to heavenly things, not earthly things. And Jesus is preparing them for heaven. Are you ready to go? Are you ready for heaven? I want you to think about that. Because the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. That means that there's a two, two appointments, are there not? Number one is that, that, that you've been born that was the first appointment. The second appointment is that you, you are going to die. Eight years ago, I had a really bad motorcycle accident out in, yeah, out in Colorado, and I broke 17 ribs in my clavicle, and I coded out. I didn't die. My heart quit. Because the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. So I didn't die. But when I woke up, I was furious. I didn't see any bright lights. I didn't feel anything warm coming towards me. I was mad when they told me that I died. But no, I didn't die. My heart just quit. It just stopped. But the good thing is, is that, that, that they revived me. But Jesus is preparing them for heaven. 
He says, I want you to realize all the things that you go through, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus and we stand before him face to face because we are saved only by his grace. And when we begin to understand what Jesus was putting together for his disciples, I get, I get excited. Have you ever had rapture practice? Yeah. Rapture practice. That's just, hey, I can do that. Getting ready for heaven. Yes, I'm getting ready for heaven. Jesus says, hey, you need to get ready for heaven. That behold, today is the day of salvation. And let me tell you, if you're not ready for heaven, you're going to miss out on a great deal. So Jesus is saying, hey, he said, I want you to realize that in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, he says, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. You think that, you think that he's, he, ever, he ever not told us something that was really important? No, I mean, he didn't mix words, did he? What he said was things that we needed to hear. He said, matter of fact, he says, in my Father's house are many mansions prepared for you. Now, we came up church this morning from the south side. Man, there's some huge houses up there. I graduated from Shawnee Mission East. I went to school back in 1970 with 20% Jewish, and they lived in some huge homes. You know what a mansion is? A mansion is anything that God gives us. That's a mansion. He says, and I go to prepare a place for you. You know what that means, that he's going to prepare a place for you? My mama in her prime was six foot two. Her daddy was six six. Her brother was six six. Her mama was six two. So I'm just kind of the shrimp of the family. But she would call or she would, yeah, she would call or write a letter and say, hey, Larry, I'm, I'm coming to visit did you know that she was, my wife was 5'7"? She was the only one in the house that could look on top of the fridge. And she said, do you realize that there's a lot of dust bunnies up here? So the next time that my mom said that she was going to come visit, Marcia prepared the house by starting with the top of the fridge. Okay? That's how you prepare for somebody to come see you. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's preparing to meet you. Not Grandma, not Grandpa, not Simon Peter, but Jesus Christ is there to welcome you when you die because he's the one that died for your sins. And he's the one that's going to be there to welcome you. I honestly believe that. My Jesus. No, no. He's not yours. He's, he's my Jesus. It's like my granddaughters. One comes running to me and says, you're my grandpa. And the other one says, no, he's my grandpa. No, so I've, 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 I've got two legs to make a lap. So one sits over here, one sits over here. And I share myself with those two granddaughters. That's the way it is with Jesus Christ. He is, he is my God. He is my Savior. He is my Master. He is my friend. And I get to share Him with all those who call upon the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We share Him. And He prepares a place for us. You know, there's something very exciting about being around Christians. 
Now, let me, let me, I want you to realize that there are a lot of people that try to be somebody that they're not. And around Jesus and around other Christians, what you see is what you get. This is, this is who I am. I'll be 72 in May and for a long time. I try to, I try to be somebody to other pastors. I try to be somebody to other Christians. I try to be somebody so that they would like me and like being around me. But you know what? I could care less. I could care less because I know my Father loves me. But because we are brothers in Christ, because we are... Um, get to enjoy one another, it doesn't make any difference. Let me tell you, all those labels that I used to think people saw, see, I didn't get saved until I was 27, so there was a bunch of labels. This is who I used to be. And a lot of people only look at labels of who you used to be rather than who you are today. And if you're saved, if you're born again, you are a child of the King. And those labels, they drop off. They're, they are gone. Jesus goes to prepare a place yeah, I'm, I'm really special to God. Yeah. So are you. That's why he sent his only begotten son into this world for me. That's the way that I need to see life. That's the way that I understand who Jesus Christ is, and that's the way that I get to understand who I am. When you are in Christ, you are a new Preacher, old things are passed away. My old thoughts, everything becomes brand new. Matter of fact, for 27 years, I thought I knew how to live life. But let me tell you, all those things that I did to have people like me doesn't help when you get saved and into this new life being born again. All the years that you were lost is not going to help you in this new life of being born again. It's not. Because now you're a new creature. And by the way, now the Holy Spirit of God is living in and through you, not your old, your old flesh. Your old flesh, we carry around. Let me tell you what that old flesh is like. That old flesh does not want to die. It refuses to die. That's the old man. That's the old way of thinking. Matter of fact, the flesh is USDA grade flesh. I mean, it's, it is top notch. And you know where that flesh came from? It comes from the mind. It comes from the mind. We learn how to live from our mind, not our spirit, until you receive Christ as your personal Savior. Now everything we do, we do from our heart, not from our mind. But the problem is, is a lot of times we'll say, you know, when the Lord leads us to do something, well, that just doesn't make sense. You know, that's the old flesh. I do the things that I do because I am saved, not to become saved or to remain saved. I do those things that I do. It's, it's because I'm saved. And, and, you know, when the Bible begins to talk about, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Paul is talking about this. What a, what a, what a great Sunday school lesson. Hey, listen, if, if you don't make it for Sunday school, you're, you're missing out on some great spiritual things that are going on. He talked about Paul. He talked about Saul becoming Paul. But Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. You know, not this flesh. 
But inside of this flesh, the Bible says that we are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. Okay, this is the old body. But you know, when you become saved, your body doesn't get saved. Think about that. Your body doesn't get saved. You know, when your mind stops, guess what? The body dies. The body's dead. There's that separation that takes place. You know, when the Bible talks about take up your cross and follow me, you know that verse, don't you? Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Well, you know what that has to do with? It has nothing to do with the burden that you carry around. Maybe it's your mate or your mother or your father or, or, or a son. or Maybe it's something physical. Maybe that's your cross that you have to bear and go in to follow the Lord. Oh, it's hard, Lord. I have, to, I have to carry this cross. He's not talking about a burden. You know what the cross represents? Crucifixion. And no one ever came down off that cross alive. He says, when you die to yourself and become alive in Christ, he says, then he says, that's when you can follow me. But if you're not dead to yourself, that's the old flesh. And we become alive in Christ. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Everything that we do, we do through the Spirit, not through our mind. And this is what Christ was trying to get across to them. He says, I'm going to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Later on, later on in, that, in that chapter, he tells those disciples, he says, by the way, he says, I'm, I'm the way. You want the peace of God that passeth all understanding that guards your hearts and minds? It's through Christ Jesus. He says, I am the way. Christians, do you have the peace of God? Do you have it? Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that doesn't come from the mind. Because before I got saved, I went looking for peace in all the wrong places. All the wrong places. But can I tell you a secret? When we moved here from Kansas City, we moved out to Elkhart, Kansas. We lived 25 miles from town, out in the middle of nowhere. We worked for a Christian company that, uh, that had 10,000 acres and 500 head of cattle. And we worked for a Christian family. And we got to see, listen, we got to see Christianity lived in front of us. And the pastor would come out to our house. And, and he, would, he would give us all these verses called the Romans Road. And finally, he figured out, you're just not getting it, dumb Swede. He said, why don't you come to our church? We have a very friendly church. Okay, there was about 2,500 people in town, not the church. But it was back in the day when everybody, all the cowboys had white walls. They were the rednecks. You know what a white wall is? Stand up, would you please? This is how they used to, the rednecks used to have their hair. Okay, thank you. You know what I look like? Stand up, young lady. I had hair like this. And I had a full beard. Thank you. And he said, we have a very friendly church. Why don't you come to our church? 
okay. So that Sunday morning, we walked 12 stairs up to the platform where the doors were, and a little farm wife, I mean, she was a little farm wife, had ankles about this big around, but she met us at the door, long hair, beard, the whole thing. And she said, hi, my name's Mrs. Peenick. What's your name? She didn't talk about my hair. She didn't talk about my beard. I didn't have any tats, and I still don't have any tats. I didn't have any earrings. I had none of those things. But if, if I did, she would not have noticed it enough to talk about it. She loved me to Christ. She loved us to Christ. And she says, matter of fact, next Sunday is our fifth Sunday dinner. And she says, us farm wives like to cook for guys like you. And she said, if you come and be my guest, I'll have whatever kind of pie that you would like. And I said, how about a pumpkin pie? And she said, fine. You know that next Sunday, there was a pumpkin pie with my name on it. She loved us to Christ. That was my first, listen, that was my first introduction to Christianity was at the house door. You open up the door and we step into the foyer. Standing right in front of me, his back is against us. The guy that was bigger than me. Had the haircut. Found out later on he had a shotgun in his pickup truck. I told Marcia, I said, this is where it's all going to happen, right here in the foyer. It's going to happen here. You watch. Turned around. And he looked at me. He said, hi, my name's Kyle Martinwood. That's what that church did for us. They received us. They loved us. And, and if I needed to have my feet washed, I think they would. They led us to Christ. And 44, 45 years ago this day, we walk the aisle to receive Christ as our personal church. I mean, there was snot blowing. There were, there were tears. People were coming up, hugging us, saying, hey, we've been praying. Listen, we've been praying for you for a long time to get saved. They loved us to Christ. We didn't know that they were praying for us. You know, that's what a real church is. And that's what Jesus was talking about. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Listen, prepare a place for you. Hey, that's what this church should be about. It should be just like heaven, where you don't have to pretend to be somebody that you're not just to make somebody like you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. He said, it's going to be a mansion. I mean, we're talking about Valentine's Day. Talk about the love of God. Aren't you thankful for the love that he has for each one of us? And he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. He says, I'm going to a place. And he says, I'm going to be there to receive you. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. But Thomas saith, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus probably got right in front of, right in front of Thomas's eyes. Hey, isn't it great as, as fathers, you sit down with your sons, and, and you have to talk with them, and you say, hey, look, look into my eyes. That way I know I've got your attention, okay? And, and after a while, the older they get, they, you've got that eye contact, but it looks like they're just glaring right on through. And you have to get them back to, hey, 
I want your attention. I want you to look into my eyes, Thomas. I want you to listen to, to what I have to say. And I think he said it so caringly and so lovingly. He says, Thomas, I am the way. There is no other way. There's not two ways. There's not three ways. There's only one way. And he says, I am that way. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Now listen, if you're born again, if you're a Christian, Christ is your life. And when he is your life, he expects us to give ourselves as a living sacrifice. But now watch verse number two. And he says, but don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Heart. Not your mind. Your mind is so foreign to the things of God. See, this, this, is where, this is where the Holy Spirit is here in your heart. Renew who you are. Renew who He is. And live accordingly. Renewing your heart is, is a basic fundamental thing for Christians to do. Lord, do you love me? Oh, yeah, I love you. You like me? I don't like the things that you're doing. Renew your mind. Renew your heart. We need to get it squared away and come back to the important things of life, and that is our heart. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He says, if you had known me, he said, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And Philip saith, now watch this, good old Philip. You got to do a Bible study on Philip. Philip is always around. He's always doing something. He's always thinking about something. But Philip, Philip says unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. <laughs> Lord, just, just show us the Father, and I'll be satisfied. What? What do you mean it sufficeth us? If you just show me who the Father is. How many times have we come across people and say, what, what God, all God does is, is he hides but, you know, if, if he would show himself or, or if he would send a bolt of lightning down, then I would believe on who he is. But, no, we have the word of God. And poor Philip said, you know, if you just, just show us the Father, I'll believe on you. You know, there's a lot of people that would like to be Christians say the very same thing. Hey, if, if you only do a miracle, just do a miracle and I'll believe on you. Believest thou not that I am the Father, and the Father in me, and the words that I speak? The Father dwelleth in me, and he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Now watch this. This, this, is, this is where I'm going to start preaching, okay? Verse 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also? Do you, do you believe in Jesus? Come on. Do you, do you believe the word of God? He says, those who, who believe on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. Do you realize that you're able to do some works that Jesus Christ did? Now watch this. He says, and greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. Now, <laughs> wait, wait a minute, Lord. I've never walked on water. I've never raised anybody from the dead. But I'll tell you what he tells us to do, because Jesus at that particular time was in human form, and he could not be in all the world. That's why he says to go ye therefore into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. Greater works are you able to do 
than what I was able to do while I was here. Greater works. Telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Witnessing missions. Missions is coming up here in a few weeks. Missions. Greater works. How exciting is that? You begin to understand how much the Lord loves you. He loves you. What needs do you have? He supplies every need. Every need. How much faith does it take to come to church? It takes no faith. Obedience. How much faith does it take to tithe? It takes no faith. Not to tithe. How much faith does it have to lead somebody to the Lord? It takes no faith because it's not found in you. It's found in the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When the Lord spoke about faithlessness, I'm afraid that he was speaking to a number of Christians in 2024 because we are faithless. We use that excuse, I don't have enough faith to go to church. I don't have enough faith to tithe. I don't have enough faith to go to the mission field. I don't have enough faith to witness. But it's not about you. It's all about Christ. That's the exciting part. When you follow him with all of your heart, get to see him high and lifted, always provides. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow before you this afternoon, Lord, you've been so good to us. Lord, how you've been so honest. And on top of that, Lord, you really... You have never... Never, ever hurt us. Never. Because we are your children. You have really never, ever denied us something that we actually had need of, but you always provided. But Father, it's, it's us in our own mind. And we think that you need to supply all the things that we have need of. But, Father, a lot of these things that we think that we have need of, we really don't. Lord, you've been so good to us. If we're honest with ourselves, we need to understand what you've called us to do. So, Lord, I pray that in an invitation like this, there might be somebody here we don't know. Somebody here that's maybe thought that they were saved. Maybe they called upon Jesus, but through the excitement of the preaching of the Word of God, they truly didn't, and they questioned. They questioned whether or not they have salvation. Well, today's the day that we need to get things right. And then, Lord, we as Christians, Lord, I pray that we would look to Thee for all things and to recognize that You are coming, that You're coming so quickly that, Lord, that we need to be about your Father's business of reaching the lost. Father, may we understand who we are and the desire that you have for us. And thank you that you love us. Thank you for the way that you provide all things for us. In Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning, this evening, this afternoon. Have a verse of invitation. Maybe the Lord spoke into your heart. 
Maybe you've spoken to your heart about anything. Maybe you just need to come talk to him for a little bit. Allow him to speak to your heart. You know, I get tired of speaking to him to the point to where I need to have him speak to me. We get so busy. We need to allow him to speak to us. He has gone to prepare a place for us. Can we be ever so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, somebody said? No. I look forward to that day when the Lord reaches into that heart and he says, Pump, no more. But there is so much more that needs to take place. People that need to hear that Jesus Christ saves. And it's you. You have that opportunity to share Christ with them. Would you come this afternoon? good to be in the Lord's house uh, this afternoon. I would ask that you'd remember to pray for the bushes, uh, lift them up before the Lord. The others that are listed here, uh, ask that you would continue to pray for them also. It's good to have uh, that back here. Oh, that's Brother Doug. Brother Doug, come here. Oh, Brother Doug. One of these days, he's going to get his heart right and move that family back down here where it belongs. <laughs> One of Overland Park's finest. Pray you'll never have to need him or need his services. But uh, anyhow, Brother Doug, if you would. It's always good to be here and see familiar faces and uh, good to see people that we don't know. So I think the church is still growing. So uh, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much uh, for this day, Lord. We thank you for your love, Father. Lord, we don't deserve uh, what you've given to us, Lord. And uh, we just pray that we don't ever take it for granted, Father. I do thank you for this church, Father God, that uh, just preaches your word, Lord. And uh, thank you for those that are here. Just be with us this afternoon, Lord. Just watch over us and keep us all safe, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. <laughs>